God has granted us the true blessing of the 20th, 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 20th century. <laughs> I, I mean, it was the 20th century. Yeah. Hello, and welcome back to the Mo Video Games Podcast. Today, we are going to finish round 12, which we started with the Animal Crossing episode, and are completing now with our remaining three games. We even delve into gaming news. Whew. Who would have thought? Canadian geography, gaming news, we got it all in Movio Games. So stick around, you don't want to miss any of it. But, but real, real quick before we get fully started, I, there are a couple things in gaming news I'd like to discuss. Such as? Um, Doom was ported to a pregnancy test. And so, like when they have the sensor on the belly, it just shows Doom pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how do you think a pregnancy test works? I'm saying about the ultrasound. Oh no no no! I'm saying a, a literal pregnancy test that you pee on. So when you, the more you pee on it, the more <laughs> the more demons you kill. Yeah. <laughs> no no. So this is one of those super extra pregnancy tests where it has an LCD screen. Um, which is a gigantic scam. So if you need a pregnancy test, do not shell out for that because all you're still, it's the same exact principle where the P is hitting the piece of paper and the way it reacts is what it determines. You don't need the LCD screen. It doesn't give you any extra benefits. So public service announcement. But because it creates a lot of additional electronic waste, um, someone decided to mess around and see what the LCD could do. Um, and so they they initially got it. So it was it was just a recording of Doom playing on the little LCD. Um, but because so many people thought it was actually the game running, the the person decided to actually get it running and playing. Um, it is like it is for sure like the most like wireframe model like it, but it is Doom and you can you can play it and it's on a pregnancy test. So now the new running joke of it'll play on a microwave is now. We'll play on a pregnancy <laughs> test. That is... And the answer is yes. That's kind of disgusting, but... Uh, worse yeah. things have happened. Hopefully not a used one, but... Hopefully a used one. Don't waste more than you need to. Oh, that's true. We also have a special guest, Chocho, for this one. She does not look super enthused about my pets right now, but... Maybe she wants... Okay, there we go. And then, also in other gaming news, as we all know... Um, the 4000 series of AMD graphics cards. <laughs> I might have messed up two of those things. Hey, I mean, AMD is going to release a 4000 series of something. That is true, just not graphics cards. Unless yeah. they change their naming convention wildly. I mean, you could make an argument that with 4000 series um, APUs that have integrated graphics, it is a graphics Cardish. I mean, yeah, you can make any argument you want. It's just whether or not it's a good one. So I'm trying to make you right, man. Um, but yeah, RTX three thousand. There's not much to say about it. It's a lot to say about it. Yeah, the twenty series just got destroyed. Yeah, rip in peace to anyone who just bought a twenty eighty Ti. Yeah, but also not at the same time because there's going to be extraordinarily limited quantities in your ability to get your hands on a new three thousand series. Not that great. And as a, a lot of people say, like, oh, 
Like you, you should have waited, haha. But like sometimes you either need or you want something to use right now, and that's all you have available to you. So there's nothing wrong with purchasing what you can afford and what you want right now and using that. And it's something that you'll be able to use. And it's still an extraordinarily powerful card. Like you might have quote unquote wasted some money um, because you could have gotten something better, but you might have also had to wait an additional six months to get your hands on that. Um, so you still have a beastly card that you will be able to use for years to come. I think it's a waste. I I, I, I can't I can't support this. I mean, yeah, if you have the funds for it, then I understand. But so essentially, uh, you know, 2080 was last series, right? Or the 2000 series. And so now they've released the 3070, which has comparable to slightly better. I mean, on the graph, they put it on like the same. They're like, it's better performance and then drew it at the same Y axis for performance. <laughs> so I don't know what metric they're deciding is better. Um, but yeah, so now what? It was like fourteen hundred dollars for a twenty eighty Ti, and now you can buy a thirty seventy with same performance for five hundred bucks. Yeah, well, I mean, twenty eighty Ti is like MSRP. I think was like eleven hundred for like the Founders Edition. Okay. But, but either way, it is like less than half. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I I I just heard that someone was telling me that now that they've unveiled it. They were looking on some website and they dropped the price by like 200 bucks, but it's still, yeah, almost <laughs> double what the 3070 will be. So, I mean, will availability be scarce at the beginning? Yeah, but like we've known that this 3000 series was going to get announced, um, what, September 1st for a couple weeks now. And the expectation was that it was going to be announced sometime in this time frame for months. So... Yeah, I think it's a big ripping piece. I don't know. I mean, I, I understand. It's like, you know, if you have the money and you spend it, it's not that big of a deal. But from my from my perspective, for sure, it's a big oofty-doofty. So we'll yeah. see. It, it just all depends. I mean, if you if you already had a graphics card that was doing perfectly fine and you upgraded, that that's probably a ripping piece. But, like, if you're building a PC for the first time and you didn't want to wait six months for the availability of the 3070 or 3080... Um, and you wanted it now. I, I think that's that's reasonable. Like, it, it sucks. It feels bad, for sure. But you still have a beastly gaming PC. Um, and you don't have to worry about, like, spamming the refresh button the day it's available. Yeah. And, and potentially not getting a graphics card. So, there's... I mean, yeah, there are some cases, I suppose, but it's, it's a pretty big rip. So, yeah, that's pretty exciting. The 3070 is what MSRP... Four hundred and ninety nine dollars, specifically not five hundred dollars, and then what the thirty eighty is, seven ninety nine. Six ninety nine. Six nine. Oh man, so cheap. I think I'm pretty sure. So it's yeah. such a huge boost in performance, especially with how, from my perspective, flopped the two thousand series was in terms of graphics cards. I mean, on release, there were, like, very few games that actually supported ray tracing, and then when it was ray tracing, it was an absolute doo-doo monster at first. So this is this is pretty exciting, makes it incredibly affordable. And now I think a lot of games with this, you know, more consumers in the market being available to get a ray tracing graphics card will push, I think, a lot more developers to actually implement in their games, which is exciting. Faux show. So yeah, it's I'm still rocking that ten sixty. And I'm definitely looking to upgrade to either a three seventy or a, a thirty sixty. So we will we will see. Not sure if I, not I don't know what I want to do yet. It's such a hard. <laughs> if I could say I had the twenty eighty Ti performance, that'd be so juicy. But 
that would be about like two thirds of the cost of my original PC. So when I put it in that perspective, that's when it's like, eh. yeah. but you were saying Bitwit did that thousand dollar build. I mean, that's not bad. If I can get four to five for my current PC cell, then it's only $500 for a new PC. That's not exactly. bad. But yeah, I, for me, the most exciting thing is DLSS. Um, the fact that you can essentially play at high resolutions and high frame rates um, and, and sometimes get better picture quality than native resolutions is just kind of crazy. If, if you don't know DL, the DLSS, it's, I think, deep learning, super sampling. Um, and essentially what they do is they, they use machine learning algorithms and they, they send in images from the game at like 16k resolution and they like they're, they're teaching the the algorithm this is what the images look like in the games and then you play the game at a lower resolution like 720p 1080p and the dlss uses the tensor cores to um up sample or, or super sample and or not super sample to basically up res to like 1440p or 4k um, so you're only outputting the 720, 1080p, um, like traditional CUDA core rasterization performance. Um, but then the DLSS turns that into something that looks much better. So you get yeah. the, the, the frame rates you get at 1080p while playing 4k. It's just, it, it's super cool. Brings, um, a whole new resolution to the masses. So yeah, pretty, pretty pump, pretty pump. Not gonna adjust right now. Oh, that actually wasn't that noisy. Okay. <laughs> I'm worried about this chair. In uh, other exciting news, since we're talking about news, God has granted us the true blessing of the twentieth, 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 twentieth century. <laughs> I, I mean, it was the twentieth century. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, I was gonna say twenty twenty, and then I just kept saying twenty. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the uh, Super Mario games, or the Mario games, I suppose, are finally being ported to the Switch, or whatever bullshit jargon Nintendo wants to call it, but essentially I finally get Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy, and one juicy little humble bundle straight to my Switch, so I am not leaving my apartment for the rest of my life now, as I am just going to play those games indefinitely. Maybe I'll start speedrunning, except it's bad practice to speedrun on not the native platform, but... Someone's got to do it. It's someone. It's it's just the it's the rule of the world. So yeah, maybe maybe I'll begin that uh, hundred twenty star Super Mario sixty four speedrun training that I've been meaning to do. It'd be interesting to see how many of the speedrunning glitches are still present. Um, if they if they tried to preserve the glitches in their porting, um, or if you even can, it'd be interesting to see and what yeah. new what new glitches worth themselves it'd be a whole new community of speedrunning, which is pretty exciting but in a somewhat anti-consumer fashion um, nintendo is only making it available until march of 2021 um, so you have about six months to get your hands on it and that's digital included which does not have supply dude i don't believe that i i know that they said it i just don't believe it like why would you take all this time and effort and then release something for only five months they're just trying to i think this is fear strategy to get a large burst of people to actually buy it when they release it, and then March will roll around, they'll be like, ah, we'll just extend it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, what... Disney d did it with the vault with all of their movies. They, they would re-release them for, like, a limited time and then put them back in, quote-unquote, the vault. I mean, they could do it. I, I Like I said, I don't know. Just after spending all that work to do the port, it just seems like an absolute waste of money. So it seems like a fear strap, but, I mean, if they, if they, if they follow through with it, then I won't be 
as upset. It's still dumb to me that they're doing it, but if they did do the fear strat and then change their mind in like March, then I would be upset. I'd be like, Nintendo, you're a douchebag for doing that. Because that's definitely, that's some fear mongering shit right there. So, yeah. I mean, money wise, like a large majority of sales are in the first couple months um, of a game's release. So they're, they're definitely going to get the large market share of the sales they would have. Um, although, I mean, to be fair, it's inter- it would be interesting to know how many more sales they could get after the March time frame because it's pretty timeless. And Nintendo has a weird way of kind of like subverting all of the trends of the gaming industry yeah. with how sales go because they're their own entity. They do their own weird stuff. But there's a lot of memes going around of like the Spiral Reignited trilogy where they did a full, essentially made, remade the games entirely with updated graphics um, looking amazing. All three games included for $40. And then Nintendo releases the exact same games that have just updated resolutions for $60, while excluding things like Super Mario Galaxy 2 and some of the other um, fan favorites, which there's leaks or rumors that it might be coming around. But Nintendo can do that because, hell, I mean, the games are that good that people just, they have that much of a following. When was Spyro 3 released? the the reignited or the, the the third one there was like late 90s early 2000s because that's that to me is like I, I i i mean super mario galaxy was late 2000s right i don't know i think that if they are actually redoing it i'm sure it's a lot more work to redo a much later game at least i thought it was late 2000s so but I but know. i mean the, the i mean the meme is that spyro they actually rebuilt the games from the ground up essentially with completely updated visuals and nothing visually different about the three mario games aside from the fact that there's just updated resolutions to yeah the new one so i mean it who knows the amount of work that went into it or not and people are gonna buy it either way it, it's mostly a meme it uh, who knows what the I'm value offended. proposition you is. don't attack mario <laughs> but yeah so either way i'm pretty pumped for that that'll be good don't know when i'm gonna get my hands on it but hopefully the day it releases so <laughs> uh yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else other than that that I've heard recently. Other than now, I'm just rem- now that we're talking about this, I remember that I got to get my hands on a Eight Zero D. That's already been released, right? Yeah, I but the, the PC port shit the bed. Oh really? Bad. Yeah, um, it was it was a terrible port, which is why well part of the reason I haven't bought it. But I'm, since I'm planning to get a PS Five, hopefully, um, I'm probably just gonna play Eight Zero D on that, hoping maybe they even do some kind of like update for the ps5 um that's horizon zero down by the way yes probably i don't know, maybe everyone calls it 80d but in case we have made our own dumb language which we've never done before uh figured i'd clarify damn that's that sucks is there any word from whatever the developer is grill or whatever the hell that they're gonna fix it they, they have been releasing patch after patch and f- rapidly fixing a lot of things so I, I think it's at a much more stable state right now but people were having trouble hitting 60 frames per second at any resolution game was crashing constantly 1B. like one yeah, <laughs> <laughs> couldn't even turn the light bulb on that's the aloy pixel <laughs> um and then a bunch of like huge hilarious like texture pop in polygon loading like it, it looks it's so hilarious but it's so bad it's so sad because using the same decima engine death stranding had an impeccably beautiful pc port and somehow hrd just got the absolute shaft um that's another one i've been meaning to play 
Yeah, so if you're going to get a game, uh, especially since it's one you haven't played yet, I think Death Stranding is for sure the, the better one of the two right now. Is it still 60? Um, let's find out. Today we're not doing Canadian geography, so be thankful. <laughs> but we can. Leave <laughs> Canadians, let us know in the comments if you want to hear more. Ooh, 25% off right now. It's $45, baby. Actually, not bad. 45 is probably the most I'd want to pay for it. If I could get it for 30, that'd be happy, but. Yeah, I would say maybe wait if they have like some kind of. Like the, the fall sale or, or yeah, winter or, yeah. sale, whatever. Oh, yeah, isn't Black Friday? Cyber Monday, Black Friday, yeah. It, not, now it's like a whole weekend. It's like basically the month of November is just yeah. deal central, so. Yeah, so maybe I'll just wait for that. I've also been meaning to get, uh, finally actually pop the. Pop the gun, shoot the bullet on uh, doing a New Zelda Breath of the Wild playthrough. So, Ooh. yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. We will see. Nintendo coming to a computer near you. <laughs> or phone. We don't discriminate. Or a pregnancy test. Yes. Most importantly. So, yeah. I can't think of anything else that's tight. But, yeah, the 30 series is definitely the big. I've been I've been waiting for this for a very long time. I've been wanting to upgrade for a good chunk, if not a majority of this year, and just have not, you know, fired, pulled the book. I, I gotta stop using those expressions because I don't, I don't <laughs> even know what they are. So yeah, but I've been, I've been waiting for a while to upgrade. So definitely excited that it's gonna happen. The the interesting thing is, I hope AMD announces their new RDNA two graphics cards before the release of the nvidia 3000 series because if amd does have something up their sleeves to at least challenge if not beat nvidia get it out before everyone blows their money on rtx 3000 because yeah. once they do you just lost a huge customer base doesn't matter how good your graphics cards are people just bought the competitor so i i think they are but i i haven't seen anything yet about specifically when they're going to announce it. and i really hope they do because it sounds like it's going to at least rival and, and throw some competition and disruption into the market um, with NVIDIA. The interesting thing is these will be the first hardware accelerated ray tracing cards AMD is delivering to the consumer population. Um, and they don't have DLSS like NVIDIA as well. So I'd be curious to see what they can bring as like a value proposition for the additional um, stuff that NVIDIA is bringing to the table. So it should yeah. be interesting. You will see. I also did. You follow the Intel release, or at least they had some. They had some press thing right about their. Oh next yeah, for series. their their Tiger Lake laptop CPUs for now, but. Oh really? Yeah. Is that what I thought? I I remember I was watching some gamer Nexus, and I thought they were saying that Intel dropped the ball. So is that? Or was I it I, I haven't watched a lot on it. Um, it. It sounds like Tiger Lake is probably the most exciting CPUs Intel has released in a while, but the problem is that AMD has been releasing exciting CPUs for a few years now. Um, so they're like catching up to AMD, but AMD is about to drop the 4000 series um, Ryzen processors. So I, I, I'm hopeful that AMD will, not that I want AMD to beat Intel, but I keep the competition alive and keep things coming exciting. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think Intel did enough probably to to jump the gap. But they haven't released their full Tiger Lake desktop processors yet, so we shall see. Yeah, definitely a terrible time to be a gamer because of the pandemic. But 
the releases are still exciting, so if the prices are competitive, which at least NVIDIA is, which is definitely definitely a big perk. I mean, it, it's it's hard to wrap my brain around. There's, I mean, we have the Xbox Series X, the PS5, RTX 3000, RDNA 2, AMD 4000 Series Ryzen processors, Intel, Tiger Lake. Intel's also trying to get in on the graphics card game. Um, Super Mario, 3D All-Stars, like, gaming is... Nothing else to do. Yeah. Can't spread, can't spread COVID if you're looking at a PC screen. That's true, babe. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's all I got in terms of news. And thank you for listening to today's episode. <laughs> we will never talk about anything else. Um, You'll never get the satisfaction of, is Animal Crossing better than Gears of War 2? That is true. Uh, but yeah, so I guess episode 12.25 to... 13 the beginning of 13 of the top 50 showdown right that's how that would work we've covered one game so we've had the quarter of the 12th episode <laughs> uh so yeah today we'll talk about the rest of the matchup since we are no longer distracted and tangenting very hard about animal crossing and the stupid flame guy fury shirt as we did last time but we will tangent about canadian geography whenever we damn well please that is a, that is a fact of life so <laughs> Uh, I don't know if normally we do whoever's editing goes first, but we've kind of thrown a wrench in our normal. We thing, can't so. do this podcast anymore. I know, I'm too confused on what to do. Un- undoable. I, I I think since we've talked about Animal Crossing, let's just let's finish that up. Okay. Oh, also, since I know you guys all really care, and we're already tangenting very hard. LCS and LEC finals for League finally finished. Regular season is done. It's a big, big sad face, but big excited face as well as the finals were overall pretty hype. So I know we have a bunch of League players, aka me. But you know what? I'll listen to this podcast so I can say at least one League player. Hey, I play League. <laughs> that is true. On Fridays. <laughs> yeah, around. After midnight. Yeah. <laughs> Once once one shot he goes to bed, that's when the leak comes out. <laughs> Top diff. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> that is very true. So yeah, very excited. Worlds will be coming up soon. We'll see how uh LCS and LEC holds up to the competition. Lots of lots of my friends that play League are very not confident on how these two regions will perform, but I I think they definitely have potential. At least LEC does. LEC has definitely been doing a lot more of like a Chinese and Korea style gameplay I think with their drafting where yeah I mean LCS is just doing the traditional like five man team fight wait game scaling super classic LCS kind of boring but that, that's okay that's the style that's we don't we don't we don't we don't hate on people's style at this podcast especially Canadian style so yeah so it, it, it's pretty pump I don't know when worlds are I'm a little worried that I'm gonna be out of town for worlds but I guess you know I'm taking time off so Maybe I just won't do anything other than uh, watch Worlds and party. So, yeah, I guess uh, I'll talk about Gears of War 2, which is my competitor for GameCube Animal Crossing. My cat is incredibly distracting to me right now, but that's okay because she's adorable. It is developed by Epic Games, a small developer that you might have heard of. It's released no other games that anyone's familiar with, like Fortnite. Uh... This one was released on the Xbox 360, November 7, 2008. And again, before I forget, it got a 93 out of 100 on Metacritic, since I forgot like the last two episodes to say the Metacritic scores. So. Oh, oh! It's a third-person shooter uh, made on the Unreal Engine. Trace. Because I'm bilingual. 
Uh, so yeah, this the game takes place on the planet of Sarah. <laughs> you got something you want to say to that? Well, you said Trace, and I thought they like they gave like names to their Unreal Engine, like Trace, oh, like T R A C E, yeah, and yeah, I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. that's no, kind of no, no, cool. No. no. Yeah, no, I was just saying. It's just Unreal bi- bilinguality. Yeah. So it takes place on the planet Sarah six months after the first game, where the first game essentially ended. They get invaded by alien species, the Horde, who have been like making all these tunnels underground and sinking all of their major cities. So they detonate the light mass bomb to be like, screw you, Horde, no more. And think that they wipe the Horde off the face of the Earth, or I guess the inside of the Earth, since they're tunneling. But... I guess the expression still holds. I gotta stop using expressions. These expressions are horrible. Um, so, the bomb, when they did it, uh, caused a bunch of liquid emulsion, which is just like goldy looking goop goop that's underground, to vaporize, which has caused the spread of a fatal disease called rust lung, which is killing off a lot of the human population. There's only one major city left, Jacinto, uh, which is now. At the start of the game, you are realizing that the Horde has made a bunch of tunnels under Jacinto uh, to sink it into the ground and destroy off one of the last major cities of the human population. My words are coming like a boss. So the COG, which is just the main like human faction essentially, is now trying to respond to this and just sends the major characters, Marcus Phoenix and Co., to try to stop it per usual so it's it's a shooter shoot, shoot, shoot the people uh yep the bad people the bad people not the good people you shoot the bad people so yeah it's this was i guess for me when i was playing it the thing i liked a lot is it was a just the deviation from cod it was a much darker game much darker atmosphere which was kind of a refreshing twist onto the call of duty not that call of duty isn't dark and depressing like it's still just like a quintillion people dying right in a war setting but this one is just like the whole color palette is very dark and gloomy and it's like the actual entire like world human population is at risk of dying not just like two factions are fighting for no reason at all because we love killing people and yeah i think i think call of duty almost like glorifies like war yeah um and it's like yeah like this is like oh man it's like tragic but now i'm going to avenge them and it sounds like yeah gears of war is a lot more like we're, we're doing this out of necessity yeah. to, to save the human species, not just people fighting people. So, yeah, I, I like that Switch a lot. They also, because it is, you know, a little bit of, I guess, like a fantasy world, right? Obviously, there's no such thing as the Horde or aliens. Um, I really, I guess they're aliens. I mean, I don't really know what else to call them. You never call them aliens in the game, but, I mean, they're from a different planet right so they're that, aliens that's alien, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that that is aliens all of aliens movies summarized <laughs> um game over man so yeah they they're able to introduce like different weapons and stuff one of the primary the classic like gears of war weapon you have an assault rifle that has a chainsaw that's at the bottom of it so the, the classic gears of war is you're just running at the the locust or the horde um or it is the locust why am i do they also they might call themselves the horde as well it's, it doesn't matter it's a horde of locusts that's true <laughs> you like run at them with the chainsaw and cut them in half it's it's super gruesome and gory which was also i mean at the time i was just like oh my goodness now 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 i guess it's a little less surprising i think games have gotten in general maybe a little more dark and violent i feel like just most of the media in the world has gotten darker or maybe just 
the media creators have realized that dark media is entertaining to people and they like it. Like, I feel like, uh, like Stranger Things and stuff like that. People like twisted stuff now. Yeah, it, it helps you. Like, it, it, all emotions are important to experience. And if you can experience some of them in a controlled environment, too, I think that can be healthy. Yeah, and you can only times. watch so many rom-coms before you get the gist of what's going to happen. So How dare you? <laughs> those, are the, those are the only two genres. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is the greatest movie of all time. So, yeah, that, that was definitely, I guess, th- those were kind of, I feel like, the main differences. It was fun seeing the new weapons. They had, like, a, I guess it was, like, the equivalent of a noob tube and uh, Call of Duty, where you have, it's it's a bow and arrow, for lack of better words, that shoots a sticky grenade. Mm. And that, that gun was always super fun, because it was just like, you know, charge it up, and as long as you hit them, one shot kill, and was so satisfying to hit. I'm not going to lie. It, it felt great. When I played, uh, this was one of the first games that I played like multiplayer online with, and I use that gun all the time in multiplayer. Because for the most part, if you did hit, it was a, you know, one shot, one kill. It was definitely harder to hit, obviously, since you only have one bullet traveling or one explosive sticky bomb of doom. So, yeah, I use that a lot. This, Like I said, first multiplayer experience since I never played uh, Fantasy Star Online one episode one and two online. <laughs> that was a confusing sentence, even in my head after I said <laughs> it. But you get the point. So, yeah, it, it was first uh, online experience which i really enjoyed as well i end i've ended up playing a couple other games online since then not too many though so but yeah definitely uh definitely good and then i feel like the one of the big things why i'm not putting gears of war one on this is they brought in a another human being on the development team joshua ortego ortega to incorporate more personal drama into the game and just make it more of an emotional experience the first game was very just like we're saving the world, classic, you know. We're, we're badass, tough guys who are going to kill the bad guys and save the human population. So they definitely did a lot of, like, good stuff with that. The Bane scene that I recall, and I think is probably one of the most intense scenes in the game, is where uh, Dom, essentially Marcus Phoenix, number two, you know, his homie, his sidekick, they she has been captured by the Locust, and, you know, Dom has been looking for her for such a long time, and they end up finding her in what is kind of like an Iron Maiden. It's like this steel capsule that has been welded shut and she's been like tortured and brutalized by the locust. So they open up the container and she comes out and it's this point is from Dom's perspective and she looks fully healthy and totally normal and then collapses into Dom's arms and he's sobbing. And he's like, oh my God, I'm so happy I found you. And Phoenix just is like Dom. And then he pulls back and looks at her and then sees what she actually looks like, not his delusional state before and she sees that she's pretty much like in a vegetative state can't speak she's been tortured like all of her hair is falling off scars all over her body she has like gray skin she looks terribly ill so then he ends up deciding to euthanize her and it's really emotional and really intense scene obviously deciding to kill your wife because she's already pretty much dead is a horrible thing and terribly depressing yeah Yeah. so it's they definitely did a good job of like stuff like that and making it a very intense and a very emotional experience that also helped you build a connection with the primary characters of the game. So, yeah, liked liked it a lot. Definitely, definitely a good switch, and I think that it, it warrants. I feel like not doing the originality of Gears of War One. I think kind of gets overridden in that case because of all the improvements that they made. You know, also to the combat, obviously introducing more weapons and smoothing out a lot of the kinks of the first one, but also adding a lot more of a story-driven experience. I guess. 
or at least including more story elements to it to make it a more interesting and compelling gameplay experience. So that is why I'm not picking one. I think I played through three, and three just didn't do enough, I feel like, to upgrade, and I haven't played anything after three, so if I'm missing one, then I don't care, because I'm doing the games I played, so <laughs> that's your own problem. Uh, another mode that they added to this was the Horde mode. So they do call them the Horde. <laughs> Thank you. I've, I've now been confirmed looking through my notes, uh, which is essentially a wave survival. And I played this mode a lot. This was a really fun one. It's like a Star Wars Battlefront 2. I know they had a wave defense mode, which was also really fun. So this was definitely, I feel like, during a time period where I feel like after Star Wars Battlefront 2 which I'm pretty sure became before this. You know, I don't, I don't know what came first, but essentially this was definitely a p- period where that wave defense was very popular. I feel like in games, and a lot of games are trying to implement it, but they did their wave defense really well. It was very exciting to play through. Lots of replayability with that. You know, The story, once you play through it, you already kind of know what happens. Not as exciting to go through again in any shooter game, right? Like even Call of Duty, like once you know all the twists in Call of Duty, it's like it's still cool to play through it again, but it's not as exciting as the first time, so... Definitely like that. Add a lot of uh, value to the game. Lots of time spent just doing horde mode and trying to get strategies on how you're going to do it. A little more exciting strategies, I feel like, than uh, like Kino Der Toten, where it's just the run in a circle and line up all the zombies <laughs> behind you or something like that. So, Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because this is around the time that Call of Duty World at War was released, which was the original zombies. Nazi zombies. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely... Definitely a good thing. There's also a couple of quirks in the Gears of War series that I feel like I should mention. One of them being like the color palette, which I think the joke was in the first game, the only colors were like brown, red, and black. And then in this game, they added the color orange. And then in the third game, they added the color blue because it's just such a dark, dreary, muted color palette in the first place, which makes sense for the game. It is not supposed to be a happy game. It is supposed to be a depressing game. So I don't know why there would be like pinks in the game. (laughs) the happiest color i can think of apparently <laughs> uh but yeah it definitely that's that's a common criticism which never really bugged me while playing it but it is a thing that like a lot of people that i remember when talking about the game and reading stuff about the game when i was younger was a very common criticism of again i don't really buy the criticism i guess i just think it's i mean it I, obviously it's the artistic direction and choice that they made so so yeah that's that's a common criticism of the game that again like i said i don't really I don't really agree with, but you take it as you want. And then the other one is there's always a Carmine brother. Um, it's just like a family of brothers, and they're always wearing helmets. And in the first game, your Carmine brother gets shot in the head and gets killed. And so then Marcus Phoenix in the game says, uh, only pansies wear helmets to the other Carmine brother. You're now playing with another Carmine brother in this one. And Dom's like, like Marcus don't be an ass his brother died <laughs> you know don't be a dick and then that Carmine also gets killed I believe also getting shot in the head so yeah it, that is like the running joke of the Gears of War essentially that yeah people who wear helmets are gonna die for sure um whether or not they get shot in the head I guess is not the important part but but we would like to let you know the Mo Video Games podcast encourages you to wear a helmet that is true at all times all times all times even while driving your car especially so, yeah, that those are kind of, I guess, my main comments on Gears of War. Dose, uh, we already talked about Animal Crossing, so I won't really go into it. Honestly, at all, just listen to the episode. We rambled for such a long time in that episode, so there's really no reason for me to cover any of it again. <laughs> uh, between the two games, 
I have not thought about which one I want to win. So, lucky you. I'm deciding on the spot. <laughs> hey, there we yeah. go. That's what I'm about, baby. So, I think... Oh, it's a hard one, but I, I think I am going to go with Gears of War 2 just because I'm talking about it. It's a recency bias, which is a logical fallacy, but hey, we take those. <laughs> um, I, I like Animal Crossing a lot, but I do feel like it is... It's just... Not that Gears of War 2 isn't linear, but it's just very, like... Also, because of probably also in part like a product of its time... But it is just like, it is very routine, I guess. And you're just doing a lot of the same things over and over. Um, collect-a-thons definitely are not normally my cup of tea. Really at all. I really don't like collect-a-thons. I get like existentially crises while playing them. Like I should be like, I don't know, collecting real life things like skills or something. Or like, you know, like, I don't know, books read or something to talk about with friends. So yeah, I can't, can't I, I have a very hard time playing collectathons. That one was really well done. I never felt that way while playing it, so I got to give a lot of credit to Animal Crossing. It's certainly not an easy decision to make, but I think this was definitely a very intense game. Lots of drama and intensity, and also the combat was especially fun to play. It was a very... The whole Gears of War series, I felt like, was always just like a really good combat system. Like, getting behind cover um and like the movement and stuff you did i felt like you just had a lot of control to really be able to you know utilize you know the terrain i guess to the best possible way to help fight um the horde the locust whichever one you want to call since both are applicable bad boys <laughs> so yeah i i liked years of war 2 a lot and it's still a game any series that i would like to revisit where other series definitely for me have kind of fallen off the mark in a large regard like like the Assassin's Creed, which apparently I have had gotten some counter-criticism, counter-comments that I have not yet had the full-fledged discussion with, but Adam messaged me and was like, I have so many things to disprove, like, everything that you said about the Assassin's Creed series. So, Ooh, spicy time! So yeah, we'll have to get Adam on and have a conversation about Assassin's Creed. I'll also just have to play an Assassin's Creed again, just to refresh my my memory. Um, but yeah, so it's, like I said... And Make series, sure you subscribe. And like, so you can hear this conversation. I, I don't think you can subscribe, but follow on Spotify. That is true, because we're on Spotify. Not to brag, <laughs> <laughs> it takes so much effort to get on there. By the way, that is that is true. We had to pray yep. forty two times a day for eight and years, and then click one button. Yep. But hey, you know, <laughs> we there, baby. So yeah, that's I I, I think I'm giving that to Gears work too. It was definitely it felt very new for the time, very refreshing. Animal Crossing also novel in its own regard, but. Yeah, just Gears of War 2 definitely stuck with me. Animal Crossing feels just like a very, like, nostalgic, you know, like, oh, it's such a great part of my childhood and, like, fun, you know, playing a game with my siblings. But Gears of War 2 is my game, you know. Not, not, not my family's game, it was my game. So, yeah, definitely liked it a lot. Very dark. I like dark things, including the color black, the darkest color. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it for me. Man, have I got a lot to say about what you just said. You actually? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, I, I guess the, the one thing I wanted to, to talk about real quick is the, the color palette in Gears of War. And, yeah, I I mean, p- p- you can criticize whatever you want, but I think 
it, it it would be a more legitimate criticism if they like forgot to put the other colors in or like there were technical limitations and i mean i'm sure technical limitations partially went into that decision kind of like the fog in silent hill yeah. um, to mask loading um and pop in but um but at the end of the day i think largely it was a artistic decision because they, we know there are other games like halo and stuff that have incredibly diverse color palettes um and uh, yeah i think i think it perfectly kind of nails the 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 mood like the the art in a game does so much for the experience i mean there's so much about it the sound the visuals the actual gameplay the story um are all incredibly important so it's just another aspect but it is a funny meme I it is definitely enjoy. yeah it, I, it's it's funny to read like i i still appreciate it even if i disagree with it yeah because it is it is like oh yeah there, there is a very limited color palette but i also think about like i don't know when i was watching death stranding it's not like i was like what they just because they had a green grass then it's a colorful game you know that's still a dark jury game in all aspects as well yeah and that game's a fucking walking simulator so if you're gonna say that that <laughs> that gets the past the credit which maxwell's never finished i'm not saying i'm disappointed but you don't even have it that is true as we talked about like they already <laughs> knew that i don't have it so you criticizing me you do i let me go through the list of the games i have but have not played or finished <laughs> five years later. it is extensive <laughs> um but i'm working through it I'm that is work. true yeah i'm I, i've switched from buying games to buying upgrades to play those games <laughs> that is true flight simulator here we come baby oh yeah so um, yeah, but that, that was really my only additional comment for Gears of War. I, I, I haven't played it, but I've, I've seen gameplay, um, and I, I like the visuals a lot. I think they're cool. Same. I, yeah, it's, it's like I said, refreshing twist. Yeah, off of what, what was kind of standard, so. Especially, I mean, I was playing this in, like, middle school, so, you know, I'm, like, sad, emo, grungy boy at the time, you know, and I'm like, this game gets me. <laughs> oh, hardcore, bro. <laughs> I'm gonna get the COGS logo tatted on my forehead. I won't, Mom. I promise. It's going on my elbow. <laughs> That's true, baby. <laughs> All right. So my games this week. We got a couple of bangers in my eyes. In critics' eyes, not so much. But here they are. Days Gone, PS4 exclusive, and Gran Turismo Sport, PS4 exclusive. Let's hit it. So we'll, we'll start with Days Gone. So... Uh, developed by Ben Studio, um, part of Sony Interactive Entertainment, so one of the, the studios that Sony has scooped up to bring under their wings. Um, it was released back in April of 2019 and is classified as an action-adventure slash survival horror, um, which it, I think those are all absolutely astute adjectives for this game, as you will see um, shortly. So a, a general synopsis of the game, it takes place in post-apocalyptic Oregon, um, so post-apocalypse meaning there are zombies that are called freakers in the game. And so this takes place after kind of the initial fall of civilization, um, out in Oregon. So Deacon, um, St. John is the main character, the protagonist that, that you're playing as, and you lost your wife, um, kind of in the chaos of the initial fall of civilization. Um, she was injured and she went off into a federal helicopter to get taken care of. Um, she, she actually worked, um, she had some security clearance, she worked in some secret stuff, so she was able to get federal medical stuff, but then you never saw her since. You went to the base where she was supposed to have been taken to and you saw that it had been overrun by the Freakers. Um, and so you're like, okay, 
my my wife is dead. Um, but but very quickly in the game, you you learn that there is a possibility that she may have survived um, because there was some evacuation done prior to the camp being um, overrun by the Freakers. So the driving force largely behind the game is you are trying to see if you can find your wife um, and figure out what happened to her, um, solve some other mysteries along the way. Um, like World Hunger. Exactly. <laughs> Mystery. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, as um, Deacon St. John, you're an Afghanistan war veteran um, you're in the U.S. Army Mountain Division, um, and you, because of this, th- that's kind of how they explain how you have all this weapons experience, um, and, and as some of the personality, I think Deacon St. John as a character um, is pretty interesting, um, but a, a large gameplay aspect of the game is your motorcycle, so that's how you get around in this po- post-apocalyptic world, um, and a lot of the survival aspects come into play with the motorcycle where the motorcycle can get damaged um, you can run out of gas on the motorcycle so you have to be scavenging for gas you upgrade your motorcycle um, and similarly with other like ammunition health upgrades all that kind of stuff um, so that's kind of the, the survival aspect of it and there's it's it's a very large open world um, a lot of other little subplot stories i don't want to go a lot into it as is typically my mo when i'm describing these games is i just give you a taste um, but say you should go and try and figure it out. I think it's actually, I, I think, a pretty compelling story. Um, very interesting. You'll find out. Um, but Sales skyrocket after this podcast is released. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the sales, um, to, to kind of tangent a little bit, is actually very interesting. So at launch, Days Gone outsold God of War and Horizon Zero Dawn in Japan. Which is a, a heavy qualifier, but two of the, the greatest games released on the PS4 console and some of the best-selling games, um, Days Gone, upon release, outsold them, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, it was behind only Spider-Man and Uncharted 4, uh, another two of the, the largest Ooh, you want. titles for them. Um, so, I guess, to, okay, so now, now that we got the sales out of the way, let's jump back into um, the gameplay again. I, I think when, when it was initially demoed um, at E3 and kind of announced, one of the big selling points of it were the hordes, a theme for this uh, podcast episode. The horde episode. Um, but, but hordes of the Freakers, where we're talking um, 50, 100 plus Freakers running after you um, in, in these really cool like AI physics like it looks like an actual horde they're like stumbling over each other climbing on top of each other to get up to to high places to get to you um and it was something that a lot of people weren't sure if they were going to be able to deliver on and at launch the game definitely had some technical bugs um that they were working out which isn't too uncommon but but it was enough for a lot of people to kind of reduce their review of the game um overall metacritic it it has a 71 out of 100 but um when i first played it it was probably six months um, to a year after its initial release, and they had fixed almost all of the the issues that were initially criticized um, upon release. So it is a very clean game right now. If you're looking for something to get into, you can get it pretty cheaply now, um, this far post-release, and you have the benefit of a lot of the bugs being fixed. Um, So that's super cool. But I can say the hordes of the Freakers absolutely deliver. It is such an exciting and intense experience. So throughout the game, you can organically run into them. So 
there there are like 40 plus different nests of these hordes throughout the game um and during the day they they kind of stick to their nest and they're all grouped up in there so one strategy is during the day you can try and find them go to their nest start throwing like molotovs and all this kind of stuff and take them out that way or at night they all start roaming and you can run into them organically in the world and when you don't initially realize what hordes are or how commonly they occur when you run into them and you're not expecting it it can change it can end your life <laughs> let me tell you that um and it's just so exciting to have that thrill of like oh here's a couple zombies oops like they they kind of notice me you fire a couple shots and you realize you alerted the entire horde and you're far away from your motorcycle and you have stamina and you're like oh my god i need to sprint the hell out of here um it's just incredibly exciting and that after you beat the game the locations of all of the hordes populate on the map so you can go after the game and go and try and um you have better weapons at that point upgraded weapons and go and try and take out the hordes and it is exciting every nest area where the hordes exist they do a really good job of level design of giving you cool paths to run down funnel zombies through um obstacles to jump over it is it is an incredibly fun mechanic, and that alone, I think, is reason to play Days Gone. It is something that I have never seen in another zombie post-apocalyptic game, and they do it incredibly well. Um, yeah, it also it has dynamic weather, so that's another little cool... A little funsy. <laughs> spunky there. And the, the Freakers, when it's raining, the Freakers are more powerful, and they're out and about and ready to end your life. Classic. Um, water zombies are always stronger than <laughs> everyone knows that um yeah so as far as awards go um the indie dev association awards it won the best visual design it is a visually stunning game um and the golden joystick awards um and the british people's awards i, I don't know what the hell my notes are trying to tell me i wrote these like a week ago but it won best storytelling and playstation game of the year um so playstation one game of the year <laughs> yeah um so it, it is it is pretty decently awarded um for for having a 71 out of 100 on metacritic which i said a lot of that i think is from the technical issues it had at launch which have largely been resolved um the game is long um which for some people it, it can be the result of a little bit of bloat um mm -hmm. but but i think it's worth it the game is large it is diverse it does enough to change and modify the gameplay as to, to not stale out too much. Um, and I think it has a pretty interesting ending. So that stays gone. Exciting times. Um, you're going to need a PS4 though. So sorry if you don't, but it is great. Maybe Sony has announced that they are planning to bring more games to the PC. Um, like they've done now with Death Stranding and Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, so, and even Detroit Become Human. So let's let's hope that maybe down the road that that becomes more of a common thing um i think that's that's great for gamers and consumers as a whole so maybe you'll get a chance if you own a pc and on to game number two gran turismo sport um so for those of you who don't know i was raised i was born i was molded by racing games um, largely because I was a goody two-shoes and my parents told me, don't play violent video games, don't play anything rated M, and I listened to them. So, uh... Oh, amateur. I know. What what an amateur. I've seen the error in my ways. Um, but I, because of that, I, a lot of the games I played 
growing up were, were racing games. And I, I always, like, from, from a young age, I've been interested um, and in awe of cars. I, I love them. So racing games are a natural expression of that. And so back when my gaming renaissance began um, and I bought the PS4 because my fiance Clarissa said, why not? Um, I was around the time that Gran Turismo Sport um, was announced. Um, it was released on my birthday in 2017. Um, it's, it's classified as light sim racing, which I think is fair. Um, it's not like a need for speed game. It's not an arcade racer. So it has very realistic, it's going as a sim, but it's not something like Project Cars 2, a set of Corsa, um, where it is like just full blown sim, um, super realistic and punishing at the same time. So it's a very accessible sim racing and it's kind of the PS4 flagship sim racing title, kind of like Forza is for Microsoft and Xbox. Um, developed by Polyphony Digital, D digital? What? I don't even know what I said. Digital? Digital. You get the picture. Um, so it's, it's the seventh game in the series, but it is very specifically not Gran Turismo 7. Um, so the, the numbered franchises in the game are typically much bigger releases um, with more cars. And this one, Sport, was kind of a lighter release. It had less cars. It didn't have as much of like a career mode um, as previous Gran Turismo. And now we know that Gran Turismo 7, the full numbered title, is being released as a PS5 title um, with updates like ray tracing and all the other things that the next generation of gaming are bringing to consoles. Um, so it, if, you, if you're interested, it, it might be worth waiting if you're thinking about maybe getting a PS5 or something like that. Um, the, I think there are better sim racers than Gran Turismo. Um, so I, I, I would recommend going down the Forza route if you want something kind of along the light sim route um, and you have an Xbox or a PC and um, a set of Corsa, which is also available on PlayStation, I believe, is a great full-on sim, um, as full-on sim as you're going to get and still be a game, essentially. Um, but it, it's pretty great. It, it Currently, they've, they've added a lot of cars post-release, but they're still at like less than half of the cars in the Forza series. Um, so if you're looking for diversity, again, cannot recommend Forza enough. Um, there is also, apparently I'm just going to criticize this. Yeah, this game's I, getting demolished right all, now. All of my notes are criticisms. And I think largely this is because it wasn't a full-numbered release title. There's no dynamic weather, and there's no day-night cycle in the racing as well. Disappointing. But um, an interesting side note. So if you know anything about racing games growing up, unless you played an EA racing title, which was largely Need for Speed, you were stuck without having Porsche in your game because EA signed a 16 year exclusivity deal with Porsche um, to keep Porsche out of all the other games. Um, and I don't think they literally signed a 16 year long agreement, but they kept renewing it. And so for 16 years, EA had exclusive right to Porsche. So if you played a Porsche quote unquote in another game, you were playing rough, which was like the, an aftermarket Porsche brand. So it was essentially you're driving Porsches, but they were never called Porsches. Um, and this was right around the time that EA and Porsche amicably agreed to no longer have that exclusivity. So then you started seeing Porsche showing up in Forza and Gran Turismo. Um, and it was very exciting for gamers and car enthusiasts everywhere that they could finally see Porsche in the game um, of their choosing. Um, so that's a fun fact. 
Um, one of the, I think, the hallmarks of Gran Turismo Sport, and it, if this is important to you, might be worth going for, is it's it's largely based around an online racer. So if you um, care about not getting griefed by a bunch of other people who are just trying to ram you off the track, um, they have a sportsmanship rating that they assign to you as you race online, and you will be put with other drivers that match that sportsmanship rating. So if you are all constantly driving cleanly, you will eventually be put in races with people who also drive cleanly, and I think that is a great way to foster that. Other games try to do similar stuff, but I think Gran Turismo Sport has kind of perfected that. Um, as far as awards go, Indie Dev Association Award, it won the best audio design. So, mm. hey, hey, pretty cool. Which I do have to say, like, some of the cars, they, they do a quite meticulous level of detail um, in the, the design of the cars and, and the sound, which I think is part of the reason why they don't have as large of a selection as games like Forza. Um, but I've never thought that Forza did a poor job with the cars. But as far as audio goes... Forza definitely gets a lot of criticism. They, they reuse a lot of engine sounds. Um, and Gran Turismo, I think, is a little bit more diverse um, in that regard. Metacritic, 75 out of 100. So apparently, again, I've got two milk toast games, but they're, they're games that Gran Turismo has been a huge part of my childhood. Gran Turismo 2 was my first um, Gran Turismo game um, going, going way back. And uh, Days Gone... I picked up after all the, the hype and criticism had died down and was pleasantly surprised. It was a game I really couldn't put down. Um, so both both big big games for me. What made you pick this Gran Turismo over other ones? Because um, you kind of dumped on it. so. I, I did, but I also... it's One, it's been so long since I played Gran Turismo 2. And I mean, just like Gran Turismo 2 going back to the original PlayStation. Now we're on PS4. Um, I mean, visually, it's just super freaking stunning. Um, I mean, Gran Turismo 4 was also pretty great. Um, but, it, yeah, visually stunning. It, it was a game that I had picked up at the same time as my steering wheel and pedals. Um, so I, I have a lot more experience playing in, in a more sim-like environment. Um, as, as far it, I, I think it is the best iteration of Gran Turismo. Um, but it's, it's just lacking some things is most of my criticism, which I think is because it's not a numbered title. Like I keep saying, if you didn't know. Um, but yeah, that, I, I think that's why. I, I think they did do the, the things they did include is the best iteration of it in a Gran Turismo title. Um, but they just didn't include a lot. So it can go to hell. If you didn't know, based on my dumping on Gran Turismo 7, I will be picking Days Gone because I think there are better racing games on this list that you can get, whether it's light sim or arcadey titles. Gran Turismo sadly has not gotten up there. I'm hoping that changes with Gran Turismo 7. Perhaps we'll, I'll mention that in a future um, when I get hopefully the chance to get my hands on it. Um, but yeah, for now, it is eliminated. Days gone. Lives to fight another day. Days not gone. <laughs> yeah, they ain't gone. They here to stay. What was, your, what was the least favorite part of Days Gone. I feel like you didn't really criticize anything other than like potential bloat, but that yeah, that's probably that's it. it. Yeah, nothing else. Everything else is flawless. On honestly, a, another thing about it I really liked was the 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 way the camera angle is over your shoulder, and I I never in a game before have I used the ability to like swap shoulders mm -hmm. like the camera view, and I used it constantly in the game. I don't know what it was, how they did it, but I felt like a badass assassin, like true military vet that was coming up and 
like it, it felt great i don't know the the combat in the game felt really good it's another third person shooter um with that over the shoulder but I, I was constantly swapping i thought that was great the motorcycle is amazing the upgrades make a large difference in both how it the motorcycle handles how it sounds its durability um is super exciting i, I think they they do a nice job of not making like needing gas like a pain in the butt but still requiring you to be aware that you need gas um yeah the hordes are amazing um i i cannot praise the hordes enough um and the story i mean the, the story was compelling enough to make me just keep wanting to go to see what was going to happen next so they have any fun guns or was it all just like the um i'm trying to think of what they had special so they initially you have molotovs but then you later in the game figure out how to make napalm um, hmm. and then those are a game changer especially for the hordes um guns wise i mean the, the guns are really satisfying to use but i don't remember there being anything particularly standout-ish yeah um with them they're just powerful satisfying yeah the little, little bit i watched you play look like a because you were clearing out one 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 human camp, it, it was kind of Far Cry esque. Mm, yeah. From that part, but yeah, the hordes did look pretty cool. The, the the fun encounters with like hordes, um, also is like when you're trying to take out a human camp. Sometimes the gunfire will draw a nearby horde, and then you just have to not die, and then all of it like you don't do anything, and the 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 freakers come and take care of the camp for you. Yeah, um, those kind of organic encounters are are pretty exciting as well. Um, it definitely it definitely felt like a real world um, where you were not the driving force; you were merely participating in it, and I think that makes it feel more lived in. Where yeah. it's not it's not waiting for you to trigger something; things are happening, and you're just reacting. I think that's exciting. And the map seems pretty like diverse and natural, and not just like sometimes. Sometimes maps are just like, oh, we don't know how to get cover here, so we're just gonna put a slab of rock here for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> and and they 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 do a good job of opening up. Like the map gets larger, you you get new areas and stuff as you go through the game too, and um i think it feels very organic as you're discovering new things it's not like just like an invisible wall like oh you can't go here yet yeah um but yeah very exciting cool well gran turismo is dead forever so that's all that matters until gran turismo 7 which looks flipping amazing yeah like i i am very hyped for gran turismo 7 but gran turismo sport can go to yeah, I'm surprised it even got on the list. I feel like you should have just included two for the novelty factor of it. I I I played quite a bit of sport. It's it's just that like when you start comparing it to other light sim games, it just it kind of pales in comparison. But I I've played a lot of it. They they have their driver's license mechanic thing where there's different racing challenges to do. Like oh, you have to get through this corner, and depending on the time it takes you to do it, you'll get like gold, silver, bronze. So like it, it's teaching you how to drive yeah um, in, a, in a sim like environment like that and it's because of stuff like that and that's what i think gran turismo does well maybe i i'll include this as well um is kind of teaching you how to drive they've always done really well with like the the driver's license tests um where they're teaching you how to take corners how to trail break how to get out of the apex um how to connect like twisty boys 
um, and, and your apex is on those and, and go quickly. So I, I've learned a lot of racing mechanics from Gran Turismo. Um, so I, I do owe a lot to that. So I feel like I didn't do Gran Turismo justice, and I, I apologize. But it, it has been truly a, a large part of my gaming career, and just Gran Turismo Sport specifically doesn't hold up to the others as well. And I, I have not played Gran Turismo 2 or 4 in a long enough time that I, I felt it was worth yeah. putting in there. But. Well, that's definitely where we differ, because every game that I list I haven't played in 82 years now. So. <laughs> Thank you so much for sticking around. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can check us out on Instagram, at MoVideoGames. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think of the episode. Let us know what you'd like to hear next. Is there a game that you think is better than Days Gone? Probably. Is there a game you think is better than Gears of War 2? Probably. Do you think they deserve to win? Let us know. And now that we're on Spotify, you can find more episodes of Mo Video Games on Spotify. You can still find us on Podbean. We'll catch you next time. Juicy!